Hi, I'm Bill Crystal, editor of the Weekly Standard. Every time I hear the Substandard podcast during this Christmas season, all I can say is, bah, humbug. To my big brother, George, the richest man in town. <laughs> Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother Are you ready, everybody? Are you I'm ready. Do I have to do the clapboard? No, I, 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 you Sonny can do it from... Sonny can Skype in the count. Go ahead, Sonny. And in five, four... And welcome back to the Substandard. This is Victor Mattis along with Jonathan V. Last and Sonny Bunch. And what a show do we have planned for you today. It's our Christmas Spectacular episode. It's the Substandard on Ice, which I'd like to remind our listeners again, they can find on iTunes. If you want a podcast, simply search for Substandard and you'll find us. Uh, we've got that new fancy logo. We're on our own page on iTunes now. So if you get a chance, not only subscribe, uh, but tell your friends and leave a review uh, that apparently helps us tremendously. So, how about a little Thanksgiving postmortem? JVL, you survived intact. Yeah, it was sort of a sad Thanksgiving because I didn't get to have tofurkey. <laughs> we, what happened to your tofurkey? Uh, so we we had a, a an especially turbulent Thanksgiving. Like half the kids were sick, I was sick. We were having company. We were sort of stressed out. We didn't have a lot of time, and my wife was at Wegman's shopping for all the stuff we needed. And at the very last second, she audibled and went over to the catering department. And just we just bought the Wegman's Thanksgiving dinner. And it was so great that we will never, ever, ever cook Thanksgiving again. Because let me tell you this. Let me tell you what Wegman's does. For like $109, they slap everything that you basically need for Thanksgiving into these oven-safe dishes that you bring home. They give you a spreadsheet where you just look at the top, you find the time that you want to eat dinner, and it then tells you dish by dish when to put this thing in the oven, when to put that thing in the oven, when to put that thing in the oven. You slide those things into the oven. These these oven-safe dishes are so lovely that you could even put them on your table and serve straight out of them. Your entire cleaning and prep time for the entire Thanksgiving meal could be reduced to about 7 minutes and 14 seconds. Thanks to the magic of Wegmans, and, and it's only for twelve hundred dollars, right? I and mean, it's, it's no, it's like a hundred nine bucks for, for a meal that serves. Oh, I would do that. Like six you, to ten people, and it's right. it's amazing. <clears throat> and you know what? The truth is, you don't ever need a special occasion for tofurkey. So I'm going to do my tofurkey <laughs> at home this week. So here's yes, um, like I have two I have two two things I'd like to say. First, uh, contra Tyler Cowan, there is no great stagnation. Uh, second. Uh, what is included in this meal? I'm curious. What what exactly do you get? I don't know. A bunch of stuff I don't really like anyway. <laughs> it's just the turkey, actually. That's all. You're just now, there's turkey. turkey. There's green beans. There's stuffing. There's cranberry sauce. Mashed potatoes. And is it green bean casserole or just green beans? 
green beans, uh, a little bit too much pepper. But, you know, what do you want? You're getting something that's mass produced in a kitchen with 19,000 other meals. Jonathan, Jonathan, what did you think about the, uh, uh, the turkey? Do you know, was it a fresh turkey, a farm turkey, or was it something that's been around me? Did you like the taste of it? Well, the sure, because it was smothered in cranberry sauce. My, my, my thought is maybe the tur- again, you like tofurkey you only because you haven't had a good fresh farm turkey. I say to you people, the only thing the turkey is there for is to deliver the cranberry sauce into the sarlacc on oh your face. Gosh. Oh, my God. I, 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 th- I think that maybe it's because you haven't had a good fresh farm turkey, like freshly slaughtered. Is that a euphemism? That No, no, no. I mean, I lived, when I lived in Germany, my, my host parents, they had a turkey, uh, not a turkey farm, but they had a little turkey coop in the back. And so the turkeys that I had were fantastic. I mean, there, were so, there was flavor and juice. Um, I wanted to be there. Turkey concentration yeah. camp? I, I, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, your Nazi turkey sounds pretty No, it, you know what? And, and they and That's and I wanted to be there for the 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 uh, the, the killing of the for turkey. The final solution. I wanted no. The you people are awful. And uh, and in oh, fact, uh, I, they happened to dispose of or humanely, you know, put the bird to rest in my absence. And I said, "What happened?" And the, I, I will never forget the uh, my German host mother. She said to me uh, the, the term. She said, "Oh, you didn't want to be there for that." She goes, "You know, once they have to, you know, cut the head off and let the blood drain." The, the German term she used was, "It was a real Schlachtfest," which means a real lovely. slaughter fest. But you know I what? Enjoy my tofurkey. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll have the Schlachtfest. Uh, how about you, Sonny? Did you have? Uh, was it like green bean casserole heaven for you? Yeah, it was great. My wife did a fantastic job of making green bean casserole. She is a delight. Uh, And we had all sorts of fantastic side dishes. We even had some cranberry sauce from my father who likes it. I don't particularly care for it. Uh, But it was good. It was good. We had a we had a nice little nice little Thanksgiving. Watch some football. Wonderful. I, I had no French stuffing, not the, the kind that I always uh, dream for every year. We went to uh, my wife's uh, relatives, uh, her cousin Kevin and uh, uh, Marina Wheeler. They have a lovely home, and they had all of uh, their family over and uh, my in-laws. And we actually, um, the stuffing was fine. It was like some sort of, you know, fresh croutons that you put on there, a fresh bread, you know, bread that you, you bake and bits of it and the whole thing. And, and you put the, the gravy on top of that, and that was very nice. I can never understand why people call the stuffing dressing you notice this is that an age thing you know i mean my mother-in-law keeps saying oh you have to have good dressing and i'm thinking she's done with the gravy but she's talking about the stuffing why is stuffing dressing uh i don't know yeah i've I've, I've always called it stuffing the the verb to dress the turkey with the noun maybe maybe that's what it is but all i could think of is when i was in jersey well coming from jersey south jersey in particular did you ever notice this jonathan that italians uh some italians call the tomato sauce the gravy Yes. You know, and so I remember yes. we had a spaghetti dinner at my school, and I was a waiter, and they're talking about getting the, you know, the, the gravy on the spaghetti. I'm thinking like brown gravy, but no, it's tomato sauce. So in any event, um, as you know, this is our Christmas spectacular episode. Um, but to kick things off, I want to talk about the spirit of the week first. Um, and this is a good one. Um, this is the Evan Williams Original Southern Eggnog. It's made with Kentucky Straight Bourbon, whiskey, rum, brandy, and it's only 30 proof, very reasonably priced. Jonathan, are you an eggnog kind of guy? 
I you poured me a glass and, and I got as close as like four inches okay, from my face it's time, before I had to put it down. You have to take a so sip. So that is oh really high gosh, No, you need to take a sip. It's fantastic. It's eggy delicious. If you like those, it reminds me of like a I don't know a Brooklyn egg cream or something, you know. Or um, Sunny, I know you're uh, uh, skyping in, so I'm sorry that you can't try the eggnog for the first time. Uh, but you'll have to take my word for it. Uh, what I recommend you do is go to McDonald's and get the uh, eggnog shake and then just put some bourbon in it. I think you'll, uh, you'll thank I me. I mean, I, I don't need to get eggnog shake uh, to find something to put bourbon in. I can assure you of that. <laughs> I wanted to say briefly, by the way, did you know, this is sort of an aside, that eggnog was the reason uh, we invaded Grenada? Did you know this? The real reason? Not. No, no. Do, it's, it's, do, it's, tell me the story, oh. Vic. <laughs> is, well, there, is there a pipeline? Is there an eggnog yeah, pipeline? This is, this is the al- alternative, this is the alternative uh, history. Uh, what's like Howard Zinn's, Howard Zinn's version of the invasion of Grenada. And uh, what happens, as you know, uh, Grenada is, I believe, they make 40% of the world's supply of nutmeg. And obviously then in 1983, they had this uh, communist-backed rebels that took over, and that would have shut down the supply of nutmeg uh, around Christmas time. And, of course, you can't have eggnog without nutmeg, as I put some freshly sprinkled on for Jonathan. Uh, and so God bless Ronald Reagan uh, for saving Christmas in 1983 by invading, and that's why we have our nutmeg. Thank the you. The greatest American president of all time. There's nothing he can't do. Um, anyway, that's Evan Williams' original Southern Eggnog. Check it out. Um, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to uh, move on to our main event then and talk about over the weekend, our boss, Bill Crystal, uh, sent out this tweet. He said, uh, what to do the day after Thanksgiving? Celebrate the beginning of the Christmas season by watching the greatest Christmas movie ever Die Hard. Now, this thing got like over 100 retweets, 400 likes. What's going on here? Uh, Sonny, do you want to explain maybe to a handful of people who have not seen one of the great movies of all time uh, why this matters? So Die Hard is a movie that was released in the midst of the summer blockbuster season uh, that uh, involves a man having to rescue a skyscraper from a bunch of terrorists. Um, and for some reason, it has been transformed into uh, the hipsters, counterintuitive, this is my favorite uh, Christmas movie movie. It is, uh, it's the sort of film that, you know, if you're too cool to say, oh, It's a Wonderful Life is my favorite Christmas movie or Miracle on 34th Street is my favorite Christmas movie, you say Die Hard is my favorite Christmas movie and then you get all sorts of hipster nerd cred. Are, are you um, suggesting so Bill Crystal is a hipster? That's what, what I want to... What, what has happened? Uh, this has become my personal uh, bane, my personal bet noir, because I have taken a very strong and frankly wise and reasonable position that this is not a Christmas movie, that Christmas is not integral to the uh, themes or action of the film. It could have been set basically any time. You could have had this movie take place uh, uh, during 4th of July, for instance, and it would have been the same exact movie. Uh, and... Uh, because I have taken this reasonable, wise stance, uh, I am attacked constantly on Twitter by notorious trolls like Bill Crystal uh, for for uh, you know standing up for what's right and just and good in the world. Um, uh, I know that some, even some in this very studio, uh, believe that Die Hard is in fact a Christmas movie. Uh, so I will let them state the case better than I ever could. Jonathan, what do you think? 
Well, Sonny actually wrote a tremendous essay, like a long essay about this very question for a little book that I edited last year called The Christmas Virtues. Ding, ding, ding. It is still available out. now at Amazon.com. Available now at Amazon's near you. Along with vodka. Along with Vodka Nation. Is it Vodka Nation or just Vodka? Vodka Nation was the essay, and Vodka was just the name of the book. How Colors Oldest Flavorless Spirit Conquered America by Lions Press. Thank you. Hey, who wrote Vodka? Oh, you're talking to him, Sonny. The one and only. Oh, that's good. That would be Victoria DeMattis. Thank you. On Amazon. Thank you. Anyway, so Sonny wrote a, a wonderful essay about Die Hard, and uh, I— this It was is... only very briefly about Die Hard, for the record. You you made it very clear in your pitch to me that it should not focus entirely on this. It was about Christmas movies more broadly. Because you're wrong. And that's fine. <laughs> Look, I'm a broad-minded editor. I'm, I'm happy to include points of view which are objectively wrong. Look, sometimes in art, a thing which looks like one thing is really another thing. So like the TV show Firefly, the Joss Whedon show Firefly, it looked like it was a science fiction series, but it was really a Western. Uh, the Shawshank Redemption, it looks like a prison film, but it's actually a road trip movie. The Dark Knight Rises looks like a comic book movie. But it's actually an art film about civil society. And Dark Angel with Eliza Dushku was really not sci-fi. It was actually porn. If you turn the sound off. Thank you. Wow. Uh, I wow. Mean, I really. think that was also, we let's got, do a quick correction. I believe that's Jessica Alba. Oh, my gosh. Oh, in my mind, I've conflated. That was correction you on the spot. You Dollhouse. Yeah, I'll take that, too. You're thinking of Dollhouse. Uh, he has a type. Um <laughs> They was somebody's with Die Hard. So look, Sonny is right. You could have set that movie around any holiday or no holiday at all because it looks like an action movie, but it really is a Christmas flick because it's about family. This is this is it is a movie where John and Holly McLean are repairing their relationship, coming back together to be a family again. And also it's about the naughty people getting their just desserts. Not just Hans Gruber, but also William Atherton's reporter and the coked up office guy Harry. Which, by the way, Sonny, did it ever occur to you how much no, Ellis, that guy, Ellis, he looks like Michael Bay? Yes. Like, yes. He looks totally. uncanny. Also, a correction, like I believe Bay. his name was Ellis. I believe it's Harry Ellis. Oh, is it? Uh, Harry okay. Ellis. I think yeah. he just goes by Ellis, yes? Hi, but Harry you. Ellis, wow. You're good. Okay. Really, Vic, just... Anyway, and it's, and it's about Christmas miracles, like being able to swing through a plate glass window on a fire hose while firing a machine gun. So I would say that the fact that it is set around Christmas really enhances and brings out all of the themes, the deeper themes which are inside it. Uh, I... So because I'm always, like, giving people things to read, that's kind of my role in the show, uh, if if you follow me on Twitter, I will tweet out a link ah, later this week to an amazing wow. essay on Die Hard by my friend Alexandra DuPont. It's from back in 2010, and she makes the case that Die Hard is, like, one of the four or five most influential films of the last 30 years. It's whatever. Like, I never tweet. I, it's horrible Twitter, stupid, but this is an easy way of me getting it to you because I'm not going to sit here and tell you what the URL is and have you type it out while you're driving in your car listening to the podcast. Um, I think also the music and the sound effects are integral to this movie. You hear, there are moments where you hear those Christmas bells. You know, that's important to the yes. sort of the feeling of that movie. And of course, um, uh, Beethoven's Ninth. Uh, yeah, That's perfect. That's perfect for a yeah. Christmas no, time. And I think that's I mean, integral. You can see they... It really is conceived in such a way where it does not become an afterthought. That is a, a theme which is weaved throughout it. 
and it's it's great. You know what I loved about it? German villains. You could never go wrong with German villains, despite the fact that the two leads for the Germans were not actually German, right? It was Alan Rickman, and, uh, who was British, and uh, Alexander Gudinov who was Russian. In fact, he was, I believe, uh, a Russian ballet dancer defector. Uh, and sadly, both are no longer with us right now. Uh, but they were both uh, fantastic. And it kind of reminded me uh, of uh, the movie Scarface, where none of the leads were actually Cuban. You think about it. You know, Al Pacino, <laughs> Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, Robert Loggia, F. Murray Abraham, really? Stephen Bauer, you know? No, what, what, it's, uh, I think today people would make a bigger deal out of that today. They were terrific performances. A little over the top, I would say. Uh, but in, uh, in Alan Rickman's place, uh, uh, position there, I thought he was fantastic. Uh, he has that great line when he says to Theo, you ask for Christmas miracles, I give you the FBI. That's just fantastic. Alan, Alan Rickman's first movie, too. Very, very That's awesome. Right. First first debut. He was a, he was a, so he's a late convert to the stage. He came to the stage yeah. very late in life and then came to the American screen very late in life as well. He moved on. He did some BBC work after doing some stage work. It was his first on-camera stuff. Then he came over to America. And this, he sort of, what's one of the things I love about Rickman, this role just sort of allows him to emerge fully formed as an actor into the American consciousness. And he was amazing. This is one of the first movies where you ever almost just openly root for the bad guy because he's so great. And part of it, again, you have to credit, Rickman is great, but credit the writing. That, for me, the moment that makes Rickman's character is when they're coming up on the elevator with Mr. Takagi. Takagi. And he says to him about the suit, I forget the name of the manufacturer, he says, I have two. I hear Arafat gets his there as well. <laughs> and it's, it's like, and he's sort of, he's grinning and he's, he's actually throwing the line away. And it's so perfect and such a great little character moment. And from that, from that moment, like every villain for the next 20 years of action movies, they struggle, the writers and directors struggle to shoehorn in some small character moment like that. Like, you know, the guy will be eating jujubes and he'll make a remark about it or he'll say, oh, I've always loved Swedish fish. And it, it almost never works after that. But Rickman pulls it off. And it's this like, amazing, iconic performance. Uh, and as well as, you know, people don't really remember, this movie establishes Bruce Willis as a major film star when he is nothing at this moment except for a guy who's doing a vaguely romantic comedy on ABC. Right, he was doing Moonlighting. Right, I mean, this is it. He's just a guy doing Moonlighting on does. ABC, and they decide we're going to plunk him into the middle of a giant blockbuster action movie, and man, does it work. And you know who yeah. else? Yeah, go ahead, <clears throat> Yeah, well, there's, there's a great uh, diehard uh, oral history that's uh, available on Kindle... Uh, Kindle single by a, a guy named Brian Abrams. Very fantastic. It kind of gets into this um, this whole idea of Bruce Willis as really this was his this was his make or break movie. This was his if he he had already been in one that had kind of flopped. If this wasn't a hit, he was done. He was done in Hollywood. He was going to have to do crappy TV shows for the rest of his life. Uh, and it really uh, blew up. You know the the, the great thing. Um, my my favorite thing about this movie is uh, the the fact that it kind of established after Predator uh, that John McTiernan was the great action filmmaker from like 1985 to 1995 or so that he he was really the guy that you had to you had to go to to get a good high concept action film made um, and I uh, you know I, it's sad it's sad to me that he has kind of disappeared because he went to jail for a little while uh, and thinks that Carl Rove is trying to kill him. Uh, but like he, he, he really was like this really just fantastically 
talented, pure action filmmaker. And it's it's. We don't have too many guys like that in Hollywood. No, and remember, he he had gone on, right, Sonny, to do the Hunt for Red October, mm-hmm. and yeah. he did right. one of the great one of the great remakes of all time. Even for like you know, older people who say, oh, you know, the original is always better. You know, more often than not, they'll say that the Thomas Crown Affair remake was better than the one with Steve yeah. McQueen, and uh, that's based on my anecdotal evidence from my mother-in-law. Thank you, but it's true. No, it's, I think that's right, it's, it's, yeah. it's a great remake, and he did that. And then, of course, um, I hate to bring up the last action hero because I think that was probably a, a bad turning point for him, wasn't it? No, I think Last Action Hero is a fantastic movie. The problem with oh, Last sorry, Action Sonny, Hero, we're losing you now. Sorry, the, the we can't hear you. The problem with Last Action Hero is that it, it came out about ten years too early. It was it was meta <laughs> and like kind of sly and winking before that was a cool thing to do. Before that was a thing that like every uh, every sort of action movie or action TV show or whatever had to do had to be self aware and kind of like, you know, telling the audience, yeah, I know it's silly, but this is, it was, it was really a movie that is ahead of its time. I thought the kid was the problem, but maybe. Well, sure. no, Kids I, are always the problem. I'm totally, I totally agree with Sonny. This, this is Shane Black being like a little bit too far ahead of the curve. You know, the thing about McTiernan is they and you look at his, his stuff, even the stuff which isn't very good, like basic is, basic is very low level McTiernan. He is so economical. You know, like there's never any wasted motion in his pictures, and when when he's really working you know, with with Predator, Die Hard, Hunt for Red October, uh, Last Action Hero, Thomas Crown Affair, even Thirteenth Warrior, again, they're just even these Die incredible... Hard with a Vengeance, like, even Die you... Hard with a Vengeance, they're so spare and so sinewy, uh, they're just amazing contraptions, and I, I totally agree. You look at a guy like this with this much talent who's directed like eleven movies total lifetime, total. and it just. <laughs> It's this horrible waste. Uh, you know, the other thing really quickly about um, uh, Die Hard was the dialogue, and that was attributed to uh, the screenplay uh, was Jeb Stewart, the other Jeb Stewart, I should say. And uh, he also, Jeb Stewart also did the screenplay for The Fugitive, and you can see how that makes sense. Yeah. Again, action movies where, you know, I mean, my expectations, and coming up to uh, Die Hard was 1988. And, you know, my expectations where it's going to be, you know, a shoot 'em up movie, minimal dialogue. It's not going to be that amusing. But the dialogue was so fantastic. And so, I mean, you got to give him credit. I thought that Paul Gleason, who plays the uh, deputy chief of police, uh, Dwayne Robinson, I, I thought that he was hilarious. Um, and, of course, uh, Paul Gleason plays the uh, dean of discipline in uh, The Breakfast Club. And so um, just fantastic. The back and forth between him and Reginald Vell Johnson's uh, character, Sergeant Powell. Really, really good stuff. And Robert Davi as a special agent Johnson, you know, the FBI. Johnson and Johnson. Johnson and Johnson. There was White Johnson and Black Johnson. And then you would see there was a moment where Robert Davi picks up the um, the, the, the CB, I guess, and then he says, special agent Johnson. And then he waits a couple seconds. He goes, no, the other one. I mean, that's just good stuff. So, uh, so you, know, you know who doesn't think that Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Uh, Robert Davi. <laughs> I'll let him have a pass. He's also a great singer, by the way. There's a gr- I mean, do people care about this anymore? Sonny, do people still buy discs? Do people still well, that's a this is something we'll discuss a little bit later in the show. I still buy discs and I'm a person. Therefore, people still buy discs. <laughs> there's Go. a there's a great Fox release of this where they like remastered the sound and retouched the picture and it's it's like the Fox five star platinum diamond titanium release or something like that. Uh, well worth your your fifteen dollars. Yeah. Uh, do we uh, can we move on and talk about um, our other favorite Christmas movies or movies that we think are underrated? Um, sure, uh, Sonny, why don't you uh, Christmas movies? Yeah, Christmas movies that you think are uh, your your uh, favorites and movies that you think are underrated. 
you know, in in the in the essay that I wrote for uh, Mr. Last, uh, I admitted that my favorite Christmas movies are uh, uh, A Christmas Story, the uh, kind of classic Gene Shepherds yeah. of uh, uh, film that we all watch and love every Christmas, and also Scrooged. I think Scrooged is probably uh, it's not only one of my favorite Christmas movies; it's one of my favorite Bill Murray movies. Um, Bill Murray is, is never more Bill Murray than in this film. He just kind of, he gets to, he gets to kind of do his thing and it's set within that classic kind of framework of, uh, uh, you know, the old classic, uh, Christmas Carol, um, thing. So I, I, I would say those are my two favorite Christmas movies. Jonathan, I think are you're going to disagree now with Sonny, at least with one of them. I hate a Christmas movie so much, I can't even tell you. A Christmas story. A Christmas, a Christmas story. story. Sorry, a Christmas, yeah, a Christmas story. Everybody loves this. My wife loves it. My best friend, my best friend Chris, was actually nicknamed Ralphie in college. Uh, and for me, I'm happy to admit that this is one of the things that, like, is probably a me thing and not a movie thing. But for me, it is nails on the chalkboard. Maybe it's because I didn't see it until I was 30. But, like, if, to me, everything about it is horrible. I wanted the dad to die. I wanted the older brother to die. I wanted Ralphie to have his tongue ripped off when he what sticks it to the pole. older brother? There's no older brother. Doesn't he have Ralphie doesn't brother? stick his tongue to the pole. He has a little brother. Ralphie has a younger brother. Have you even brother. seen yeah. this movie? I saw, I, think... I saw it when I was 30 years old, and I could uh, not wait no. to turn it off. There is literally no Christmas movie I would rather watch less. And over this weekend, I watched a movie on Netflix called Santa Buddies, which is a direct-to-video production about puppies who have to save Christmas, and it has Norm from Cheers as Santa Santa, and it's the worst piece of schlock you've ever seen. And I would take that over Christmas Story. The, the weird thing about Christmas Story, so I rewatched it recently with my kids, uh, and my son did not like it. He did, he thought that the, the the family was actually irritating. I yes. thought I thought the music. If you listen to the music, Sonny, the beginning of the of the of of the movie, it's kind of very hokey, corny, as if they were making it like a, some sort of slapsticky thing on TV. It's very strange, and it's sort of like it almost feels like midway through the movie they decide, oh no, we can make this more poignant than we thought it was going to be, and it and it changes that way. And I thought it's much more touching from the middle on to the end, and you see the other side, and you see the father a little bit more, certainly much more affectionate with uh, with the mother. I mean, uh, but I, I was I, my observation was, I think that's just how parents were in the 1930s. They're not all touchy-feely the way they are today. I mean, you know, they love their kids, but, and they were significantly older. This is it's one the of the 30s, though, <laughs> right? It's like 65. No, no, no. This takes place in the Depression, Jonathan. You really need to see this movie again. Oh, my goodness. Really? It doesn't take place during the Depression. Yeah, 1930s. As filmed, yes. Oh no, I mean it was it was made in nineteen whatever, right? But, saying, I mean, but it in takes the film, place. They are yeah. not setting it in like in the nineteen thirties. Yeah, well, forties, fifties. It's definitely it's at least the forties because remember okay, the characters 40s. from the Wizard of Oz. Is, are in the yeah, play. that's right. Okay, I so not know, the why do I yeah. think in my mind I feel like it's God. depression, but it's Surrounded not. By... But it's not the sixties. It's not the sixties. I would say it's it, feel, it feels 40s. to me like early early fifties, whatever, forties, whatever. It's crap. I hate this. Okay, I'll tell you what I think is. Uh, a totally underrated movie I liked. It was uh, Millions from Danny Boyle, 2004. Oh, yeah. You know that one? And I, I mean, it's so, I like it. It's so unlike the rest of the Danny Boyle oeuvre. I mean, there's no insane zombies going after and biting people's faces off. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's about a, uh, a family, uh, a father and his two sons coping with the death of uh, their mother. And uh, they move to another town in England. And the boy is obsessed, played by Alex Edel, is uh, the boy is obsessed with the lives of the saints, and suddenly they start appearing to him, all the different saints, the apparitions, and then a large bag of money 
lands, uh, you know, uh, on him, and he has to figure out what where that money came from, what to do with the money. Um, and it's not the most obviously orthodox interpretation of, you know, saints and Catholic theology. But in this day and age, I'll take it. I imagine it's the kind of film the Pope would love, Jonathan. But uh, anyway, I liked Millions. And if you want to talk about uh, a classic film, I'll still go with It's a Wonderful Life. I think that the dance scene with uh, when they do the Charleston uh, with uh, Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed uh, and the floor opens up beneath them, that's great stuff. Although, I again, I will insist that the alternative universe of Pottersville, I think I would prefer that over Bedford Falls. Thank you. Well, obviously. So I mean, that's obviously coming out about how Potter is the real hero of yeah. It's Wonderful Life. <laughs> no, I like It's Wonderful Life. My, if I could steal Sonny's lines, in Sonny's excellent essay in my, my book, uh, he concludes by, by saying the, what's, what's really important isn't actually which movie you watch, but that you have one, that you have a, a tradition with your family where there is a movie that when you're all together during Christmas, you always always come back to and sit down and watch together. And I think that that is a, a very profound point, and I think it's very smart. <laughs> um, Mike, can I make a recommendation? Off the, so my favorite Christmas movie isn't a movie. I don't have a movie like that with my family. Um, it's, a, it's a book, actually. It's a comic book. Uh, and it's called Batman Noel. Uh, it's a, <laughs> you laugh, but this is, look, it's a graphic novel written and drawn by Lee Bermejo. Anybody who knows about comic books knows that Bermejo is this superstar artist. Uh, he he drew the amazing Brian Azzarello Joker and Luther books. Uh, and it turns out that he can write, too. And so what he does is he takes a Christmas carol and he retells it with Batman as Scrooge. And then Catwoman, Superman, and Robin as the ghosts. And it's, I can't even tell you how great it is. And I sit, this is actually what I then go and I sit down with every, like, I would say three or four days before Christmas every year. And if you, if you like Batman at all, if you like comic books at all, this is like an amazing thing. I think the hardcover edition on, on Amazon is a little bit expensive. I want to say it's like 30 bucks or something. It is 1,000% worth your money. It's really, really good. It's beautifully drawn. I mean, the opulence in his art is really something else. And the book itself is great. It, it is my favorite Christmas story. Uh, it's only $18.47 uh, hardcover from Amazon. So. That is a bargain. You should, you should treat yourselves to it. And then buy vodka by Victorino. Well, thank you very much. You're very kind. I'd like to say, um, I'm looking at this right now online, Gene Shepard, who is the, uh, the, uh, the, the writer, the creator of a, a Christmas story. It's about his life. He was born, and it was about his life as a kid. He was born in 1921. Aha. Uh-huh. But, but I don't know when the original is. I'm saying the, right. the movie version of it does not seem mm. to me that it is set during yeah. the Depression. Think about the classroom the scenes. The movie is definitely set in like think the late 40s. Think about the classroom 40s. scenes. I think that's very old. Okay. We'll do this in corrections next We week. are doing this in corrections. I will be victorious. Uh, Sonny, is there a movie you can't stand from Christmas? Uh, a movie I can't stand because, set in Christmas. Because I'll tell you, uh, um, I'll tell you my two while you think about that. Yeah, yeah, you go ahead. Right, well, uh, the one, I'll give you two that I I absolutely can't stand. One is White Christmas from uh, 1954. Uh, that's with uh, Bing Crosby and Danny Kay and Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen. It just goes on too long. It's a lot of singing and dancing. It does nothing for me. There is a scene where they're in the train. And uh, the four of them sing a song called Snow. I kid you not, it is longer than Kashmir. 
it's longer than Achilles' last stand. It just snow, 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 and it just doesn't end. So uh, kill me. And uh, the other one, which I would say is the the worst Christmas movie I've ever seen, I saw on a cable recently from uh, 1984, Silent Night, Deadly Night. And this was controversial at the time because it was about a killer Santa Claus. And kids saw the commercial and they had to abruptly take the commercials off and parents protested. I mean, it was rightly an awful movie. So I saw this. Here is the... Did your parents take you to see this? No, no, no. Even my mother said, no, no. In Mattis household, this is perfectly normal in the 1980s. No, believe it or not, even my mother said, we've got to draw the line. This is just, this is unacceptable. Uh, The description uh, on IMDb is... After his parents are murdered, a tormented teenager goes on a murderous rampage dressed as Santa due to his stay at an orphanage where he was abused by the mother superior. That's the story for Silent Night, Deadly Night. And I'll only add one thing. Having seen it, a woman gets impaled on mounted deer antlers. Thank you. That's it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, no Sonny, going to top that. No, if, Sonny, if you don't have any strong thoughts, I'm happy to move on. Uh, the Polar Express. Wow. The Polar Express. I can't stand any of those uh, Robert Zemeckis motion capture movies. They all I, they all look horrible and gross and on just the wrong side of the Uncanny Valley, all the characters in those. Uh, so leave aside the story itself, which is whatever. It's, it's maudlin, claptrap. The, the, the characters, like the look of the movie gives me the, the heebie-jeebies. You know, I... I... I am a reluctant convert to the Polar Express. I, it's one of the rare occasions where the movie is better than the book because the book is so spare and so short. I mean, there's really nothing to the book. The, the idea that you could get 90 minutes out of that book is is kind of mind-boggling. And Zemeckis pads out and writes the story out in such a way that actually makes sense and puts more meat on it. It isn't just padding. Um, I like the animation only and normally I'm with you on that stuff, but in this particular context, it works for me because it makes everything look timeless. Like you know, in a way, that computer animation does not look dated because it was already dated. It's kind of like Minecraft. Like you know, if you look at the graphics on Minecraft, you say, "Oh my God, that thing looks like it's from 20 years ago," and that's kind of the point. This way, it, it ages effortlessly, and it's kind of a neat message for the kids. And I don't know. Look, anything that will buy you 90 minutes of quiet from your children, I'm just totally into. And there's some very deep thoughts people have about the various characters and the of, of, of the angel, yeah, right? right? And the no, Father, the Son, angel. Holy Spirit, right? And the, and and, yep. and and whatnot. Um, now you know it's never too late to get started on. It's never too early, I should say, to get started on Christmas shopping. And I've gotten a good start, but there's so much out there and so much to do. And I was wondering if you guys had any Christmas recommendations, perhaps some cool techie stuff that you can talk about. Uh, before we do this, can yes, sir. Vic, uh, can you just describe how much better your life is now that you uh, have purchased a Blu-ray player? And yes, can, like, stream yes. Well, and and in fact, that's one of the clarifications I was going to make, Sonny. Is, <clears throat> you know, I said I finally got a Blu-ray player, and then uh, to which um, my brother-in-law, Bill Dwyer, uh, promptly texted me after listening to the episode and said, wait a minute, didn't we just get you a Blu-ray player for Christmas last Christmas in 2015? And I said, uh, yes, Bill, that would be the same Blu-ray player. It took me 11 months to install. <laughs> what? I was. I thought it was going to be more complicated, uh, and so I, just, I was embarrassed about popping yeah, the yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, Throw. Uh, yeah. That's right. Okay. And I just kept looking at it. The package. Like, oh, this looks really complicated. And then finally, because I had gotten hooked on Stranger Things, one of the great shows of all time on Netflix, which Jonathan will have to see sometime, I said, I, I, I got. I don't care how long it takes. I got to do it. There are two cords. 
Yes. One is a power so, cord, one is an yeah, HDMI, HDMI cord. So I open it up, I look at it, and I'm like, because I've never done any sort of streaming Blu-ray, anything like this. So I look Your at it. Your six-year-old daughter could do I know, this. I know. So I was so proud that I did this alone. Uh, most times I need help. And so I looked at it, and I thought, wait a minute, that's it? And I put it, and I couldn't believe it worked. Now, the only- You're like da- an old lady. I am. The only downside- is uh, the wireless box from Verizon is pretty crappy. So you do get all this sort of stopping and they have to, you know, buffer or whatever it is or reload. And that really is annoying. But, of course, that's why they make you pay the big bucks so you can get a bigger, better sort of wireless box. But anyway, yes, Sonny, my life is so much more better. I've been watching The Crown. Great stuff. Okay. Excellent. All right. Good. Now, Techie Christmas gifts you guys have thoughts jonathan you're you have a nice pleasant smile on your face you're thinking of something i have two ideas the first is the product that i am most excited about and have been for like three years now um i am a huge evangelist for the nest which is a thermostat and is only like the greatest thing ever like if I, for the whole house for the whole house it's like it's it's i it's like an iphone for your house you put it into like wherever your normal thermostat is you plug the nest in instead and it just takes control of everything i i can't even really explain to you how great it is you just have to go and do it 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 controls the temperature it saves you money it's there are very few products which like just bring you joy and happiness and this is one of them how about you sonny uh, well, I have been asked to uh, evangelize for status headphones. Asked b- because I've mentioned them a number of times to you guys, and I've sent you emails saying, hey, you should buy these headphones uh, for when we're in, in the studio podcasting together. Uh, but also because I love them. I think they're they're great. The, the website is called thestatusaudio.com. Uh, and it uh, it is a website that is basically like you're getting – the quality of, say, a Beats or a Bose-type headphone, uh, probably not quite as good as Bose, but I, but still extremely good, uh, at, at, at a, a fraction of the price. I mean, I, I own a pair of the HD ones. I wear them everywhere, listening to music on my iPod, doing the podcast with you guys, uh, shutting off the, the noise in, in my world. Um, do you wear it, it in public, like when you're walking on the street, down the street? I do. I do sometimes. I usually, if I'm if I'm walking around in public, I opt for my my iPhone earbuds just because I uh, I don't, don't want to be one you, of those guys. You don't want to look like Lobot from Empire right. Strikes Back. Right. But I, I love these headphones. I think they're fantastic. Uh, you can you may still be able to use this uh, this this code that I have to get twenty percent off. Uh, H D one O N E twenty spelled out T W E N T Y all uppercase um, to get an extra twenty percent off, uh, which means that you can get one of these headphones for like I like thirty five bucks, and it's the best deal that you'll find out there. Very high quality, uh, very good sound, uh, very low price. You will not be uh, you will not be upset if you if you purchase one of these for yourselves or for you know family members who are looking to upgrade their audio experience. Can, can I just underscore the fact that none of this is paid promotional consideration? Oh, like, no, these are actually wish. just these yeah. are actually just things we like. Nobody yeah. nobody's paying us to shill for this stuff. I spent eight dollars and thirty seven cents on the Evan Williams eggnog. That's a very good point. But Sonny, you'll be happy to know that I actually ordered my um, headphones. Uh, after your recommendations. So, oh, um, hopefully See, this yeah. week we'll be looking all very professional in the studio. Um, you know what arrived at my house? 
I was really surprised, a Sharper Image catalog. And oh, I didn't even know that the Sharper Image was still around. Uh, so I was looking at it, and they have some really cool stuff, like boardless skateboards and the slide and negative converter. Um, but then I came across something called uh, Jimmy Jane Waterproof Rechargeable Vibrating Massager. Uh, and it's small, cordless, and powerful, it says. It's funny. It kind of resembles a cucumber. Anyway, according to the catalog, it says it's dual motors, delivers strong vibrations on both sides to stimulate blood flow and relaxation, features six vibration modes and five intensity levels, $175. And I thought, man, I could really just use that and just you know rub it against my, uh, my neck because I get so sore. What it's you- just a good stress reliever, Vic. That's you know I I I, I use I'd like to use that and I imagine I get very sleepy after using it for like five minutes. Sonny, what do you think about this? And it is, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, no comment. <laughs> I have no comment uh, on no? this this whole thing. Okay, okay fine. Um, anyway, that's my recommendation. You know, you can you know rub it on the balls of your feet. You know, after walking all day, you know it'd be kind of nice. I think you know I, I hope I get one. Okay. On to corrections. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying not to break. Well, um, okay, here's a, here in our sci-fi episode we talked about Venus. why JBL. Why are you trying not to break? I don't, I don't know. I, I so don't understand. I, I'm, I just thought it was really interesting, and, and we we talked about V the final battle and the human who gets impregnated impregnated by the alien. But longtime substandard listener and weekly standard alumna Sarah Keach tweets that quote Robert England wasn't Robin's baby daddy. England played Willie. The dad was a V named Brian. I should have known this. Uh, Robert England's character, if I remember correctly, was very timid, shy, gentle alien. I didn't think he had the alien mojo to put the moves on a woman, let alone a woman of another species. Um, And, uh, of course, England is better known as having played Freddy Krueger on Nightmare on Elm Street. But that is a correction for you, for us. Sarah Keach with the backdoor cover. Don't you remember, though, like Robert England's character, like in the delivery room with the baby or raising? Maybe he He might have been the the alien. Yes. Yes. I bet you he did. He's kind of a kind of an alien, alien, alien midwife an alien doula. Um, uh, Jonathan, uh, uh, Mike Warren, the weekly standard online editor, likes to point out that uh, you also made reference to Macy's Day Parade, and you are wrong because it is Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. What do you have to say about that? That is said by somebody who comes from the South, and there is literally nobody in the entire New York megalopolis who would refer to it as anything other than the Macy's Day Parade. This is simply what we call it, and it is... If you were in New York and you said, hey, I'm going to the Thanksgiving Day Parade sponsored by Macy's, this is like being the person who says, I want to go to the, where's the Avenue of the Americas? Like, this is something (laughs) only the tourists say. The New York Knickerbockers. Right. Uh, And let me guess, Sonny, no corrections from you this week. Before you decide, I have have two corrections from our listener, Jonathan Campbell. He says that uh, Sonny and I are both wrong. Contact sucks because it slags on religion for two hours and then suddenly falls back on Aquinas at the denouement, which is actually pretty funny. That's pretty good. Uh, And he also says that we neglected to mention Monsters, the 2010 Gareth Edwards movie, which is the best alien invasion movie involving involving octopi. I have not seen that. Uh, I've seen it, and it's not good. Yeah, yeah. I bet it was popular in Japan. Okay. (laughs) 
Are we all set now? This is why I, I didn't buy headphones because we're going to be canceled within like another episode. There's yeah, no way Crystal's going to you know, The people, the people who batted aren't listening to this. Please. No, of, of course I don't have any corrections. I was perfect again. Okay. Always well, perfect. In that case, uh, that is all the time we have on this week's episode of The Substandard. Um, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. And tell us what you think. Write a review there. That helps generate more traffic, more listeners, more podcasts or something like that. Um, questions, comments, complaints, compliments, you can tweet us at Sunny Bunch at Victorino Mattis. For the just this week, go ahead and follow me so I can tweet you that essay on Die Hard. You'll you'll appreciate it. But then unfollow me because I Twitter's a garbage drug. At JV Last. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Um, right, you know what I, I was gonna mention? There's actually a cheaper version of that uh, sharper image uh, device. It's called a personal massage. Just called personal massager for eighty nine ninety nine. Uh, it has, according to the catalog, it has a powerful motor reaching speeds of up to 6,000 RPMs. What catalog, Vic? Oh, the sh- the sh- I thought it was Spencer's Gifts. No, it's it's the sharper image. And I, all I thought was, you know. Not if, Adam and Eve. No, no, no. Why do you, I don't even know what that is. I just thought that this, it's the kind of gift I would give Peter Lawford if he were still alive. Trust me on that. That's, uh, wow. Yeah. So was it, was gonna, it? Is there going to is there gonna be an E for explicit next to this podcast? No, I'm, just, I'm, 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 I'm talking. That's how you know it's not for the kids. Yeah, you actually get more ratings. I, like I think you get bigger podcasts. ratings when you get the E. Uh, so do we, do we, do we have, oh, oh, here it is. Here it is. IMDB talking about uh, a Christmas story. Okay. In the 1940s, ah, I was uh, uh, Ralphie attempts to convince us. Pretty close. To, it's post-war, right? This is a post-war movie. Yeah, I guess this is, the cars looked old, though. Okay, good. Uh, That's because have... they were in the 1940s. Hey, so did I tell you about what happened with my Christmas tree? No. So we went out to get our Christmas tree, uh, and this was a, I don't know why we had to do it this early this year, but we decided to do it early. We tend to get large Christmas trees because the room that we have this in is like this two-story vaulted ceiling, and so we get this nine-foot Christmas tree, and because it has only been cut down two days before, it's, it like weighs a ton because it's still full of water. Mm. And I'm schlepping this thing into my house, and like I, you know, after hauling it in off the roof of the minivan, uh, my three-year-old is like running around my legs, and as I drop the tree, I come like no kidding within about like a foot and a half of dropping it on her with a kilter and so we set up the christmas tree and then at four o'clock this morning i hear a scream from downstairs i go running downstairs my baby my three-month-old infant is sick and has been spending the evening downstairs in the living room with my wife in his little bassinet and the christmas tree has toppled over and come within, I'd say, about an inch and a half of landing square on the oh bassinet. It's like I am living in Christmas Final Destination, where this <laughs> yeah. tree is trying to kill all of my children. This is definitely the worst Christmas movie, of the sentient Christmas tree trying to murder it, Jonathan Last. Do, do you remember the do you remember Rubber, the, the movie yeah. where like, the tire, yeah. right? This is, this is Christmas, Tannenbaum, where my, I have terrible. a Christmas tree trying to kill that all of terrible. my children. You know, the New York Post headline for that would have been Silent Night, Deadly Night. That would have been... <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, that was that was okay, right? I think so. Yeah, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs>